the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Money for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big pictures and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want your truth, not to hide, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, certified financial planner and president of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated. Which is a member of FINRA and Civic, Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, today, I'm definitely ready for spring. This weekend, temperatures will only be in the mid-30s, but Monday starts a week of temperatures in the mid-50s, and low 60s. The last remnants of the snow have disappeared. Winter is over. Even if we get some snow before the official start of spring on uh, March 20th, it will probably won't last. And in addition, the birds at my place, they're returning. Uh, the morning dung, the bluebirds, the robins, they all join the usual crowd of cardinals and nuthatches and Downy woodpeckers and red-bellied woodpeckers that stayed over the winter. And this week I saw the uh, red-winged blackbird. And according to one of my clients, uh, that's the gold standard for the start of spring. So, and now's the time the uh, Canadian geese are going to set up their nest at the edge of the pond. And the pond is still uh, ghostly ice, but uh, 
there's some clear water at the edges. And uh, with the warning, uh, with the warming weather, we should see the uh, green shoots appear in the garden probably by next weekend. And uh, hopefully, hey, uh, hopefully we'll see them before the rabbits do. But the rabbits, once the rabbits see them, they're gone. <laughs> it's early. It's early as the spring evolves that, uh, that there's enough green shoots to outpace the rabbits. Uh, I still have my to-do list of outside tours uh, ready when it warms up and dries out a bit. Until then, we can work on our tax returns or look at our investments and check our financial planning. This week, equity markets were mostly mixed in basically every segment of the global market, the U.S., Europe, and the Asia. Uh, the catalyst uh, for the turmoil appeared to be in the, 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 the treasury markets as the uh, yield on the uh, longer maturity uh, government bonds uh, began to increase in basically everywhere, the U.S., Germany, France, Japan, uh, with the U.S. economic output boosted by the reduction in the uh, pandemic restrictions, increases in uh, vaccine distribution, and the prospects that the president's fiscal package uh, getting through Congress Investors are now fixated on the risk of inflation. So the Federal Reserve at the last uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting in January, they commented on the possible spike in inflation uh, when the recovery, uh, when and if the, uh, now as the recovery has started. But uh, they would consider it temporary and not a reason to change course. That was their assessment in uh in January, and there's going to be another meeting sometime in the middle of March here. The equity volatility uh, came as larger concerns grew among uh, investors that this worldwide economic recovery from the pandemic could generate more inflationary pressures, causing the U.S. and other central banks to tighten up on monetary policy. So the bonds have stumbled in recent weeks because of the higher yields are, are driven by uh, low bond prices as investors exit longer maturity bonds. And stocks have stumbled in recent weeks as the climb in, in bond yields has called into question whether low interest rates, which propelled valuations higher for much of uh, the past year, could continue for much longer. Yields, which rise as the... Uh, bond prices fall, have rallied in response to expectations of a quickening pace of growth and inflation as the economy reopens from the uh, coronavirus pandemic. The yields on the 10-year Treasury notes rose again Friday to 1.595% from 1.547% Thursday. That marked the highest level in the, for the benchmark borrowing since uh, uh, last February, uh, February of last year, uh, and ten year, those ten-year treasuries uh, were—I uh, uh, think they were 0.92 at the end of the year, 0.92 percent, and now they're up to one point, almost 1.6 percent. Uh, the recent climb in yields came after uh, federal uh, chairman, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell provided no sign that the uh, central bank would seek to stem the rise when he spoke at the Wall Street Journal Jobs Summit. 
Uh, technology stocks have borne the brunt of this shift in sentiment in recent weeks. An increase in the interest rate poses a particular threat to big tech and other Wall Street high flyers that uh, dragged up the stock market through the recovery through most of 2020. And these companies, uh, sky-high valuations, have been propped up by the low interest uh, rate environment, which raises the present value of their future cash flows. But as rates go up, the present value of the future earnings falls. So they're not following that formula. Uh, they're not worth as much as they were uh, three months ago. Concerns about inflation are warranted as the pandemic recedes and the, and the consumers and business activity increases. And uh, what we're going to see is prices and interest rates are going to go up. Uh, what's happening now is that we're seeing a rotation uh, to account for that new uh, circumstances. Investors are exiting the uh, uh, long maturity government and investment grade corporate bonds. And now that was the place to be a year ago uh, when it was the only game in town. Uh, but now they're looking uh, as, as the uh, bond prices go down. They're searching around for other ways to make a positive return, which probably will involve more risks. Uh, one way to do that is to uh, not, not expose the risk, is to, is to go for the shorter-term treasuries. Uh, but other people are looking at different things. It depends upon your, uh, uh, what risk you're willing to accept there. And in, in stocks, uh, what you're seeing there is that the uh, buying power uh, that buoyed up the uh, high-tech stocks because it was the only game in town, uh, that was true for most of 2020. Well, now what you're seeing is that, uh, hey, there's a recovery that's going to happen soon, and there's other stocks that will prosper, and uh, uh, the opportunities are better and the returns will be better with those. And the uh, and basically the Federal Reserve is making it clear they're not going to intervene to drive up uh, drive down the ten uh, year rates. And uh, um, the bond people say, hey, come on, uh, do some more bond buying in that particular category, and you can push the rates down. But the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell he sounded a, a gentle word of caution to the bond market on Thursday. He's watching the jump higher in long-term interest rates, but he stopped uh, well short of trying to rein them in. He said, quote, the recent run-up in bond yields are something that was notable and caught my attention. Continued, I would be concerned by disorderly conditions in markets or persistent tightening in financial conditions that threaten the achievement of our goals. Uh, but he said, hey, we will be patient. Uh, we're still a long way from our goals. Uh, his remarks were among the last from a uh, U.S. central banker before the Fed enters its uh, blackout period on public comments ahead of the March 16th and 17th policy uh, meetings. Uh, on Thursday, the 10-year Treasury's extended losses and inflation's expectations uh, reached new session highs as Powell spoke 
with some uh, traders disappointed that the federal chair didn't provide specifics on what the uh, uh, central bank could possibly do to tamp down these uh, long-term rates if they so desired. And also, in addition, the dollar continued higher and the U.S. uh, shares fell further. Uh, The Federal uh, Reserve chief stressed that the Fed was not focused on bond yields per se, but rather on financial conditions more broadly. Quote, financial conditions are highly accommodative, and that's appropriate given the ground that the economy has to cover, he said. If conditions do change materially, uh, the committee is prepared to use the tools it has to foster the uh, achievement of its goals. There's a pat answer. (laughs) He's not going to do anything. And answer to questions about these concerns, Powell said that it's more likely that prices move up in the next year but don't stay up. And uh, uh, certainly not staying up to the point where uh, they would move their uh, inflation expectations materially above 2%. So um, basically the the uh, um, their policy is we're going to keep uh, the rates low that we can control at uh, low levels until the um, inflation gets above 2% for an extended period of time. Now, what does above 2% mean? Does that mean 2.5%? Does that mean 3%? Does that mean 3.5%? Well, they'll... they'll, they'll They'll work their way through those questions with their uh, uh, meetings. Uh, the Federal Reserve is said it would keep short-term interest rates in toward near zero until the labor market has reached maximum employment and inflation has risen to 2% and is on track to moderately exceed that level for some time. So that's the goal. And... Uh, some people want the Federal Reserve to intervene, and the Federal Reserve has basically said no, uh, get used to it. Uh, this is part of a uh, recovery. So uh, neither the consumer price index data nor the personal consumption uh, expenditure data, which are which basically track inflation, neither one of those is really a big concern. Um in fact, if anything, the Federal Reserve chairman, uh, their position, the Federal Reserve position is, hey, let's get inflation above uh, 2%. And it's been bouncing around for the last 10 years, uh, the consumer price index and the personal consumption expenditures have uh, been bouncing around somewhere around 1.5% over a 12-month period. And uh, they haven't got close to the 2%. So he's figuring on keeping the interest rates low, uh, doing what he's doing right now, until that uh, inflation gets above uh, 2% for an extended period. For instance, like right now, the consumer price index for January, uh, the all item uh, for a 12-month period was 1.4%. The core uh, CPI, where we take out food and uh, fuel, that was exactly the same thing. It was 1.4%. And the monthly didn't hardly, uh, the all-item uh, monthly for January only went up three-tenths of 1%. And if I take out the, the thing that, that boosted the three-tenths of 
was fuel prices went up 7% in January. So if I take out fuel prices and go to the core CPI, the core CPI didn't change at all in January. So that's a measure of inflation that says, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, personal consumption expenditure, which is another uh, uh, benchmark or, or uh, uh, process to track inflation. Uh, the uh, headline uh, uh, personal consumption expenditure for January was three-tenths percent month over month, 1.5 over a 12-month period, and the same thing with the core personal consumption expenditure. Same thing, 0.3% month over month and uh, for January and 1.5% over a 12-month period. Uh, that being said, there are signs of rising prices. Uh, they're obviously in the producer's uh, price index, you know, where uh, these are goods that uh, the consumer isn't using, but industry is using. And uh, uh, that will partially affect the consume, both the uh, the consumer price index sometime in the future. And uh, you're also seeing prices rising. Uh, what you're going to see is oil uh, three weeks ago was $58 a barrel. Now it's $66 a barrel. Uh, and during the recovery period, you know, as, as we go through uh, March, April, May, June, uh, businesses are basically coming back online and uh, it's, it's it, you know the supply the supply chains are down have been down uh, uh, the uh, it takes it takes time to build up the inventories uh, so there's a lot of demand uh, for materials and products and things of this nature on the the industry side, not on the consumer side yet, on the industry side, just to get back into uh, a functioning business process. So you're seeing prices go up in those particular areas right now. And, of course, uh, people realize what's going to happen, and uh, uh, the Federal Reserve says, hey, inflation's going to happen. It'll get up to uh, uh, maybe 2.5%. And then we'll see what we want to do about it. Uh, but we're not there yet. Uh, in the, in the, uh, this week, in the economy, uh, the, the, basically the, the stocks and bonds were basically driven by, mostly by this uh, gyrations in the interest rates. But uh, what you're seeing on, in the, uh, the uh, economic data is uh, employment, uh, the employment situation report for February came out, and uh, the report was huge, a real blockbuster. Uh, the Department of Labor reported uh, a focused on payroll data collected in February. It showed non-farm payrolls had increased uh, 700 and, uh, 300, some, I'm sorry, 379,000 in February. And uh, the private sector had increased by 465,000 positions in uh, uh, February. So uh, that was a lot better than the previous two months, where December was down uh, 306,000, and January was only up at 166,000. So 
what you're seeing is we're going to get back into the uh, five and six hundred thousand uh, a month uh, category soon, hopefully. And uh, it basically shows that the economy is ready to move as soon as we can push this COVID-19 out of the way uh, with these vaccination uh, vaccination uh, campaigns. I uh, see that they've, they've got some sort of a big campaign uh, down at the uh, Cleveland State. I'm not quite sure when it actually starts. I don't have any information in front of me, but uh, basically what you're seeing there is that uh, uh, they're going to be vaccinating just about everybody uh, 6,000 a day down there for seven days a week. So, um, you know, if, if you're interested in that, check, check with, uh, or if somebody wants to call in and tell me what that, uh, what that, uh, start date of that thing particularly is, I'd appreciate it. Uh, we're looking at the decline in the, uh, uh, the COVID-19 cases, uh, along with the uh, easing of the business restrictions in some states, that's starting to result in more hiring, even as millions of Americans remain unemployed. In February, job growth uh, was propelled by a 355,000 uh, surge in leisure and hospitality employment. So that is the industry that was hardest hit by the pandemic, and it's the key to broadening the recovery in the labor markets. So many economists expect to see job prospects increase in the coming months as vaccinations uh, pick up and uh, uh, virus concerns uh, ease. Uh, Government jobs, uh, meanwhile, declined by 86,000 in uh, February, and that largely reflects cutbacks in state and local education. I don't understand that per se, but... uh, uh, we'll get into the details of that later in the show. Um, while the uh, report also shows the decline in, in hours worked, inclement weather has played a major role with the uh, frigid conditions in early February, limiting work weeks uh, throughout the major industries. And also, uh, so there was great news with regard to the employment situation, factory orders, factory orders for manufacturing goods, uh, that jumped up uh, 2.6% in January, uh, it was 1.1% in December, and that's according to the Department of Commerce's uh, monthly full report on manufacturers' shipments, inventories, and orders for January. Uh, orders increased uh, $13.1 billion to $509 billion in January after increasing uh, 1.6% in December, and they've been increasing up for the last uh, nine consecutive months. And in addition, shipments of manufactured goods increased 1.9% or $9.6 billion uh, to $513.3 billion after increasing 2.1% in December. And that's been up eight uh eight consecutive months. Now, uh, breaking uh, out the new orders for domestic uh, for durable manufacturing goods, uh, things that last generally over three years, the increase in durable manufacturing goods for January is 3.4% to 
or $8.4 billion. And the shipments of durable goods, that was increased by 1.9%, or $4.9 billion. Um, well, new orders for non-durable manufactured goods was also up 1.9%. And shipments of uh, non-durable goods, non-durable goods are the um, food preparations, uh, oil refining, uh, things of this nature, bulk uh, type operations. So uh, the, there's basically good news uh, with regard to those particular operations. And, and to me, uh, when we're, we're later in the show, we're also going to talk about the details of the uh, uh, Institute of Supply Management and uh, also the uh, uh, Market Corporation's uh, PMI index for manufacturing. Both of those corporate, both of those entities, look at manufacturing from the viewpoint of uh, a qualitative viewpoint rather than a quantitative. In other words, the the Department of Commerce gives you the quantitative; they actually gives you the hey, how much of this was made, how much of that was made in their reports. And uh, but the reports they signed to put out and uh, that, that numbers we were talking about from the Department of Commerce they were uh, January numbers. Now the stuff from the Institute of Supply Management and the Market Corporation that's basically qualitative and that uh, data for February it basically shows uh, this is a case where they ask the managers. How did this month compare to last month? And uh, they get the responses and, and grind them with their uh, proprietary analysis to come up with an index. And basically, uh, those indices show that uh, February was a great month uh, for um, for manufacturing in terms of uh, uh uh, new orders in terms of backlogs building up, in terms of uh, of uh, pressuring the uh, supply chains. Uh, you know that it takes as you demand more and more of the supply chains. What's happened is that they're not ready to do that. The uh, prices go up and the uh, duration uh, to supply you gets longer and longer. So. There's just uh, more and more pressure on those supply chains, and it takes time for them to come up. And that's where uh, probably that's where we're seeing the the inflation right now. So um, one of the things we talk about is, you know, how is the economy coming along? In in the big picture, the economy is is basically two things right now. One is the uh, uh, we're getting the COVID under control. I think we're down to something like 65,000 new cases a day. At Christmas time, there was 200, and, I don't know, 250,000 cases, new cases a day of the COVID, and uh, now the, the and the death rates were up to 4,000 a day, and now they're down uh, uh, below 2,000, and we'll probably well, we'll get much lower. And then basically, what we're seeing is that. More vaccinations, uh, it's paying off. Uh, and uh, with regard to the, the economy itself, uh, the 
people realize that uh, the economy is getting ready to um, bloom again, and it's just a matter of when it will happen over this summer time period. So what you got is uh, you got tons of money. Uh, the U.S. federal government uh, threw $4 trillion into fiscal stimulus last year, uh, and uh, that was uh, the CARES Act was worth uh, a whole bunch of uh, acts right around March, uh, including the CARES Act, were worth over $3 trillion. And then there was a recently passed uh, uh, $900 billion uh, stimulus that came out at the end of January, end of December. And uh, uh, that provided more money to go into the economy. And now uh, we're talking about another $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package coming out probably this month. It'll probably be signed this month. I don't know when people will get their checks and things of this nature. But, hey, uh, there's two things. Uh, the amount of money that's been deployed in support of this economy as well as the uh, conquering the COVID itself are having a big pick. Big, they are the big picture in terms of the recovery of the economy. And what you have to do really is realize that, hey, Now's the time to be prepared. Now's the time to uh, look for the jobs, uh, get yourself uh, ready. Uh, if you don't have a job, know where you're looking, uh, put the feelers out and all the rest of the stuff. And also to, to get yourself in, in financial shape. That In February, there was a crisis, and, you sur- and we survived that crisis, and now we're uh, coming out of the whole thing and uh, looking to better better pastures in the future. So um, do some planning, do some thinking, uh, realize that uh, uh, things are turning around and will be turning around uh, fairly quickly in the future. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, Get It Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number is one eight eight eight. Two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow.
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 Do we have a call there, Pauline? We have we we did. Um, <laughs> Pauline must have had to go, but her question was: We are first-time home buyers this past year, and she, oh. yeah, and they're getting ready to go see their tax preparer, and she wants to know: Are there any deductions or credits that they might be entitled to look into? Sure. Um, the, there's been a lot of uh, activity in the uh, housing market, you know, strictly because of the people that uh, they want to get out of the city. That is the coastally packed places, you know, and uh, the elevators and all the rest of this stuff. And get out into the, um, basically into the suburbs or a place where they got a bigger home uh, at, at the same price or maybe more. And uh, got a lot uh, where the kids can play and things of this nature. So, you, you, you're you with a lot of people. And uh, what you got to do is realize that uh, in order to get those, uh, your biggest your biggest deduction is going to be the mortgage interest. And uh, uh, what you do is realize that you're going to have to itemize to get that. So, and uh, you take a look at your deductions and uh, uh, deduction expenses and see if you can uh, get above your standard deduction. And your standard deduction this year is twelve thousand four hundred uh, for singles and twenty four thousand eight hundred for a couple. So, um, you know, the uh, home mortgage interest deduction uh, that, that covers the interest paid on loans up to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So, um, you can you can uh, uh, take a look and say, okay, what am I paying in interest? And generally. Uh, for new loans, uh, since the interest charges on the mortgages are typically much steeper in the early uh, years of the uh, mortgage term, uh, uh, the way loan amortization works, the first payments have the highest ratio of interest to principal. So that payment that you're making is mostly uh, interest. And uh, maybe 30 years from now, when you're Wrapping up the uh, the thirty-year uh, mortgage, it'll be mostly principal. But uh, right now, if you're starting with a new loan, it's mostly interest, and uh, their your uh, loan provider they're going to provide you with a, a ten ninety uh, ten ninety eight form. It'll tell you what you paid in uh, uh, interest for last year, and uh, so you got that. That uh, number that's in the 1098, you also, in uh, loan origination fees, uh, you know, when they, when you <laughs> when you when you buy a house, uh, not only are you got this number that uh, uh, that you're going to pay, but you also got this whole list of extra expenses that the bank's going to lay on you, and the mortgage uh, point. Uh, they're prepaid interest that uh, can uh, yeah, they qualify for a lower mortgage rate over the life, and they can qualify for the tax deduction as well. So uh, origination fees are also deductible uh, if they consist of points and interest charges and things of this nature. So, so you look at it and you say, okay, I got that. I got the 
I got the mortgage interest. I got the point for the loan origination. Uh, I'm going to have uh, taxes, uh, real estate taxes that are uh, paid on things of this nature. So uh, you, you, the, the idea, the main thing is you got to itemize and uh, uh, you got to get above that uh, basically 24,800 uh, number as a uh, uh, couple uh, uh, by enjoyment. So uh, depending upon the size of the house you bought, uh, you may <laughs> you may qualify, you may not. Who knows? Okay, let's go to the phone. Jim McAleese here. Hello, can I help you? Hello. Hello. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can you can I uh, help you this morning? Yes, Jim. <clears throat> My aunt has uh, a, a number of IRAs in local banks. She's 92, and they had she and uh, my uncle had a family trust created before he passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, CDs and things were all either payable on death to the family trust or converted into the family trust. But the IRAs mm-hmm. are still in my aunt's name. And mm-hmm. they're asking about new beneficiaries uh, on these accounts. Can she have a beneficiary as the family trust? And if so, yes, what are can. the tax implications? So the tax implications are the, 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 the lawyer, whoever put together the trust, is going to have to take a look at that and say, okay, uh, this trust, clearly defines uh, who is going to uh, be the beneficiaries. And uh, that way the government can keep track of of what's spent in terms of um, what money is going out to the the people and uh, and tax you accordingly. Uh, Now, if if they can't do that, if the trust is such that they can't figure out who's who's getting the money, then they basically don't put it into the trust. Okay? Okay. So then if if, uh, she should not name the the trust as the beneficiary uh, of the IRAs. If if indeed you you can't figure out who the beneficiaries of the trust are, then how they're going to get their money. Okay. They are. There are a number of. There are a number of. There are a number of uh, nieces and nephews that are the beneficiary, and they are named, and it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. evenly distributed. So then they could determine the tax liability, and you could put it into the trust. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. The one thing in in. Remember that I'm not a lawyer, so. <laughs> no, I understand. To, I'm, I'm you calling to you to get, you know, to, to start this you have to the ball rolling. You have, to, <laughs> you have to check with the uh, the lawyer. Is the, you think the lawyer is still alive to put this test together? Yes, he is. Okay. You you ask, uh, call that lawyer and uh, see if that, that trust was written so that uh, uh, the uh, IRAs can be put in there. Now, how how old are the beneficiaries? You might be past the point. You might be just beating a dead horse here in terms of past the 
point where the trust is any useful. You know, there's in estate planning, there's two things. There's a will, and the wills are supposed to divide up uh, the monies in a reasonably fast fashion. Now, that by reasonably fast fashion, that might be a year, but uh, it's still reasonably fast compared to a trust. The trusts are used to spread money out over a long, long period of time, a place where the probate court isn't in isn't interested in keeping track of this uh, money for the next 30 years. And the trusts are generally used for uh, uh, children that uh, have problems, you know, uh, disabilities and things of this nature, where they have to be taken care of for the rest of their lives, or for spendthrifts. Um, by spendthrifts, I mean, I don't mean the usual spendthrifts, I mean youngsters that aren't uh, you wouldn't trust them with that amount of money today, you know. When the trust was written, yes, they need been, some uh, some care and direction in the financial handling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if they're past that point, and if they conduct themselves reasonably, uh, then uh, uh, they, they have to examine the need for the trust in terms of putting these IRAs in there, because you can. In the case of the uh, IRAs, you could put uh, multiple people down there as beneficiaries. You just have to break it out. Uh, the executor has to break it out uh, by a certain period of time after the death so that they're individuals, uh, individual uh, pieces, the IRA. And then uh, basically then they're subject to the 10-year rule. In other words, today... Uh, if you wish to, if your uh, uh, aunt was to die in the future, uh, then uh, uh, whoever is inheriting this IRA doesn't have to take required minimum distributions uh, per year like they used to. But now they have to get this uh, account, account, this IRA account, this beneficiary IRA account. They have to clean it out in uh, within ten years and pay the taxes on it. So, okay, so you might just take a look at it and say, hey, what do we need this trust for with regard to the IRA? Okay. Okay. Appreciate it. All right, you take care. Have a good day now. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now, one of our callers has just called in and indicated that this is at the uh, this vaccination uh, event is at the Cleveland State Wolfstein Center, and that's mass vaccination site on March 17th. And uh, there'll be 15 uh, mass vaccination sites opening in Ohio in the Wolfstein 
uh, center down by Cleveland State University is one of them. And that opens March 17th. And how long does it go on for? Oh, uh, do, 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 do. <laughs> All right. I, I know I, I, I saw that uh, originally there they was something like uh, 6,000 uh, doses a day they were going to be giving out, and they were going to do it for a certain certain period of time. Okay. I just, that's good enough to alert people uh, to keep their eyes open for it. And uh, uh, I don't know what other restrictions there are for it, but I don't have the full story here, but I just wanted to make sure it got out to people that uh, uh, they could indeed take a look at it. So uh, let's go to uh, one of the things we talked about this morning was the employment situation and uh, uh, the critical part about the employment situation is that even though the numbers were a blockbuster number like uh, uh, 465,000 uh, new jobs, new positions in in uh, February, uh, that's nothing compared with what we've seen in the past. In other words, if we go back and take a look at what's happened in uh, the job situation. In March and April, March uh, was a negative 1.4 million. April was a negative 20.7 million people. But then in May, in May was 2.7 million uh, jobs. June was 4.8 million. July was 1.7. September was, uh, August was 1.5 million. In September was uh, 700,000, and uh, then it suddenly went down to all, it went down to a negative number in December, and now it's coming up. And even this 465,000, I think, is going to be eclipsed uh, fairly soon, fairly soon, in terms of uh, um, jobs. And uh, I don't want to predict any numbers, but considering the jobs numbers, the additions we saw in the past. Uh, it shouldn't take too much to uh, uh, eclipse these numbers. So uh, the other thing, the other good news was that uh, uh, we talked about was the uh, uh, manufacturing. Manufacturing is basically booming. And uh, factory orders are up 2.6% in January. Durable uh, goods orders were up uh New orders were up uh, something like four or three and a half percent. Uh, if you take a look at the uh, reports from the uh, Institute of Supply Management, uh, they're showing that the uh, what they do is is they take the the uh, executives in the manufacturing field that are on their list for surveys. And these manufacturing executives say, hey, how was February versus January? Was it better, worse, was it the same? And they take these numbers and they grind them up. And, and what they end up with is if a number is 50, that means that there wasn't any increase or any decrease. A number above 50 indicate, indicates that uh, the manufacturing is expanding 
number less than 50 indicates that it's uh, contracting. Well, for uh, February, the, for February, the index number, the ISM manufacturing number, was 60.8, which is a fairly high number. And here are some responses from people from the executives. And uh, according to the computer and electronic products, this is, this is a response. <laughs> the coronavirus pandemic is affecting us in terms of getting materials to build from local and overseas third and fourth tier suppliers. Uh, suppliers are complaining about uh, available resources, i.e. people for manufacturing, creating major delivery issues. Here's something from chemical uh, products people. Supply chains are depleted. Inventories are down, and up and down the supply chains are empty. Uh, lead times increasing, prices increasing, demand increasing. Uh, deep freeze in the Gulf uh, Coast expected to extend durations of shortages. How's that for news? Uh, transportation equipment, steel prices have increased significantly in recent months, driving costs up for our suppliers on proposals for new work that we are bidding. In addition to tariffs and anti-dumping fees incurred by international mill suppliers are being passed on to us. Uh, the uh, food, beverage, and tobacco, we have experienced a higher number of delinquent shipments uh, from our ingredient suppliers in the last month. We're still struggling to keep our production lines fully manned. We anticipate a fast and large order surge in the food service sector as restaurants open back up. And uh, in machinery, overall capacities are full throughout our industry. Logistics times are at record highs, uh, continuing to fight through shipping and increased lead times of both raw materials and finished goods due to the pandemic. Uh, that's fa fabricated metal products. Uh, machinery prices are going up. Lead times are growing longer by the day. While businesses in backlogs remain, remain strong, the supply chain is going to be stretched very thin to keep up. In uh, electrical equipment and appliances, things are now out of control. <laughs> Everything is a mess. We are starting to see wide-scale shortages. So basically, uh, they're, they're starting to ramp up. Uh, and uh, what, what, you're, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, if you take a look at the... Uh, uh, backlog of orders, 39% of the executives say, hey, uh, the backlog of orders is increasing month over month. 11% say that's not the case. New orders, 42% are saying new orders for this month greater than last month. Uh, production, 37% say it's up. Uh, new export orders, 21% say uh, new export orders are up. Prices paid. 73% say they're paying more for the uh, uh, prices in the materials and, and coming out of the supply chains. Uh, zero say that there's a price decrease. So everywhere you look, in basically in, in manufacturing, it is uh, uh, 
it is trying to get the whole system back on track again with regard to um, uh, the supply chain, the manning of the production lines, uh, the um, you're building up your customers' inventory. You're building up your own inventory. Uh, you've got uh, problems throughout the supply chain in terms of transportation and uh, uh, costs from different countries and things of this nature. So they uh, would be considered good problems. In other words, if you're in that particular type of business, you're tearing your hair out, but you know that... Uh, uh, the demand is there, and you're in the you're in the thick of it, and uh, uh, you know you're finished with this uh, concept of uh, uh, not knowing whether the demand whether the demand is there and whether you should bulk up uh, to meet the demand. So those those days of, of uh, uncertainty are coming to an end right now, and what is certain is that you're going to have your running a manufacturing outfit, you're going to have your hands full um, getting the products products in the door and getting them out the door. Um, the, uh, the market corporation also had a, had a similar thing in the sense that uh, production growth uh, uh, near a uh, six-year uh, high as uh, prices gauged the highest since 2011. So what you're seeing is that Another month of strong production growth suggests that the U.S. manufacturing sector is close to fully recovered from the output lost in the pandemic last year, and a renewed surge in optimism suggests that a recovery has much farther to run. So people are, people are optimistic. People are uh, getting ready. Uh, for this COVID thing to be over. And just if you take a look at the at last week's um, standard and four 500 uh, for Friday, uh, the standard and four 500 closed at 3,841.94. It was up basically uh, eight cents of a percent for the week. So I think uh, what you're going to see is uh, a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, the concerns, the, the, the uncertainties are over. Uh, now it's going to be work as hard as you can, as fast as you can, uh, because the recovery is, is going to start. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Now. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slowly. It was once said that when people watch the evening news, the news reporter always opens their newscast with good morning or good evening, and then proceeds to go on and tell you why that's not the case. <laughs> it's also been said that every one thing negative that a person says to another person, that individual needs to say seven positive things back to the person that they spoke harshly to in order to cancel out that one negative comment. So in that spirit, we need some words of encouragement. Remember, don't let people steal the joy from your life 
Look for something positive each day. Then, always believe good things are on the way. Things will get better. It may be stormy now, but remember, it never rains forever. And also remember that the best things in life are the people you love, the places you go, and the memories you have. And then, feeling down, well, take a deep breath. It's a bad day, not a bad life. A, a single thread of hope is still a powerful thing. And remember that anyone can find the dirt on someone. Be the person that finds the gold. And the question is, why do you close your eyes when you pray? Will we cry? Will we dream? Or will we kiss? It's because we know that the most beautiful things in life are not seen, but are felt by the heart. Then, choose to be happy. A happy life does not mean everything around you is perfect. It means choose to be happy despite knowing the fact that life will never be perfect. And there are only three things that people need in life. Water, food, and compliments. And notice that beautiful people always wear a smile. And be thankful for the bad things in life when they open your eyes to the good things that you weren't paying attention to before. Last but not least, invest in your mind, invest in your heart, invest in yourself. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. 2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next.